0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of the Yoast SEO podcast. Today, we are joined by an industry friend, Kevin Indig, the director of SEO for Shopify. Is that the correct title, Kevin? Because you only
1: just moved there, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. Joined in December, and that's the right title.
0: Joined in December. So you've been there for four months. Um, Can you take us along a bit on what your road has been to this
1: role? Yes, absolutely. So Shopify... Is one of the companies where onboarding takes a little while and uh some say that you never fully onboard right that you never get to a hundred percent it's probably a myth and i think that's pretty accurate there's a lot to learn which is amazing you know i think um i consider myself as somebody who who enjoys getting a lot of input and storing all that i take a lot of notes there's a lot of input at Shopify. We have our internal podcast uh, with Toby and other people from the company, most often Harley, the president. Uh, we have a, a full kind of internal wiki where you can read about anything that's going on in the company. Um, and we have lots of, of articles and, and just other stuff that we could over time. So you can really, I think, you know, my, my my first week on Fridays, I was so smoked. I couldn't read anything. So There's a lot to learn and a lot to do, uh, but it's a ton of fun. Um, Shopify is a very principled company, uh, very, very uh, thorough and very committed, very mission-driven. And uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, I worked at Atlassian a couple of years ago, and it reminds me a lot. It has the same type of engineering culture. So it's a good time.
0: Cool. And um, as you said, you worked at Atlassian. Which other companies have you worked at? You worked at G2 before you were at Shopify, I think?
1: Yeah, that's right. G two a B two B marketplace for uh, software. Um, that was that was a fantastic experience. Before that, I spent a couple of years at Atlassian. Before that, I had a short stint at Daily Motion, which was a YouTube competitor. And they were were bought by a conglomerate, and then they closed the office. and I wanted to stay in the Bay Area, so uh, that's why why I left the company. And before that, I actually worked for Search Metrics, uh, which I'm sure many from the kind of uh, SEO universe uh, are familiar with yes yes it, it it's
0: it's a very small world in a way. I keep running into the same people and the same companies all the time, and it's funny because um I've I've definitely interacted with the Daily Motion API uh, when they were still on online. I I've used Search Metrics. Um, I use Jira on a daily basis. I'm not really sure whether I'm happy with that, but I do. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I keep running into all your products. I don't know what that is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I I wouldn't say they're necessarily my products, but uh, I had the pleasure of, of helping growing them. Um, but yeah, you know, I was very very, very fortunate in my career, very exposed to different types of companies and business models. And, you know, even at, at search metrics, I had the opportunity to work with large brands and companies like eBay, for example, or Pinterest. And I think that was a huge accelerator of my understanding of SEO and of my career, because I had the chance to, you know, um, do open heart surgery at some of the largest, most trusted, reputable brands out there and that's just a difference it's, it's just a different um uh, kind of experience you collect because uh, when you work on such a site the insights you get the kind of experiments you can run really help shape your understanding
0: yeah i've i have the same experience so i've i've worked on ebay as well uh, i think uh, about a decade before you but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why i have all these gray hairs um <laughs> no and and later on at the guardian i've explained it to some other seos it's like doing seo with god mode on because you can make basically everything rank if you focus on a single page but you're never focusing on a single thing you're focusing on how can i make this bucket of a thousand keywords do better or how can i test this bucket versus that bucket and it's a completely different world than
1: what most people see as seo i think yeah, and but that's exactly what what I'm so passionate about It's that kind of system think systems thinking or looking at systems instead of saying hey here are 10 keywords that are you know crucial for the business how can we get them on page one um, I mean every business has some of their like key or t- core keywords that are really important but this idea of of systematically looking at a site that I find that so much more fascinating and interesting and where do you start?
0: With, with a process like that, is there a given spot where you always start?
1: Follow the money, baby. Uh, it's always revenue, right? It's always uh, bottom line, uh, always trying to or figuring out, how, figuring out how to make an impact. And there are, there are lots of whens and ifs to that, right? It has to be sustainable and, uh, you know, you don't want to stray into any dark patterns, black hat tactics, and all that kind of stuff, because that's also a way to drive money, but not for a long time. And so um, that's where I start. What drives money? What has the biggest impact? And then from there, you venture into the biggest opportunities and uh, and the biggest potential, whether that's from a keyword perspective or it's from a uh, content perspective, what types of content, different types of pages. But it really depends on the business model from there. Um, and I decide or I, I, I distinguish, I mean, between three types of businesses out there in the world. They're aggregators like uh, Google or Facebook uh, and Amazon. And they basically, they they channel and they bundle demand, which gives them control over supply. And the internet enabled them to do that with uh, zero marginal cost and basically free distribution. And then on the other side are integrators. And a really good example for that is New York Times, Disney. Uh, maybe Apple to some degree. And those companies, you know, those are the best practices for unique and extremely valuable content. And they really care all about the, the relationship with the customer. And then there's a third type of company, which becomes increasingly more um, successful. And there are, those are platforms, right, like a Stripe or like a Shopify. So they enable other businesses to do the best work possible. Uh, and maybe Yoast is a, is a good example for that too. Uh, and so maybe to a degree. And uh, the interesting thing is that the approach for SEO growth, anything is fundamentally different when it comes to aggregators and integrators. And I would consider most SaaS companies to be integrators with some exceptions, right? Atlassian was a, a mix of both. You had, for example, um, Jira, which was marketed pred- predominantly with a SaaS-like or integrator approach. But then you also had... A Trello with millions of public instances, which follows more of an aggregator model. So those are the two kind of, um, um, I would say, uh, mental models that I apply when it comes to opportunities and kind of how to approach SEO once you identified how how to make money.
0: Okay, so let's distinguish between the two. If you have either one of them, um, uh, as you said, most pro- uh, companies will probably be more on the integrator side because none of them are big enough to be aggregators that are not killed by Google. <laughs> uh, so if you are on the integrator side, that means that you have to, as you said, really value your relationship to your customer. Um is that How do you work that stuff into a keyword strategy,
1: into SEO? Yes, that's a very good question. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Relationship with the customer is crucial, but the content and the product you provide are also crucial. So the thing with integrators is that they have a clear product market fit. There's no doubt about that, right? Disney, I mean, one of the hottest companies out there right now from so many different angles, Um and maybe it's also because I'm a huge fan. So maybe I'm a bit biased, <laughs> uh, but they're, they're obviously doing a fantastic job. Right. And, uh, the launch of Disney plus, I mean, has been, I think, I think I'm not sure if, if, if we yet acknowledge how big of a business move that actually was, seems a bit like a follower strategy when you compare it to Netflix or HBO. Um, but in the grand scheme of things that Disney ecosystem and how they place Disney plus into that is just absolutely phenomenal. And so. To make that a bit more tangible right like um say a, a SaaS company right when it comes to content they have to ask themselves hey are we really creating the best content in the world or not and i would argue that we are at a point where there's not a lot of in between anymore it's a real winner takes it all you either have the the best content out there or you don't and then you have to get there right that's that's the level that we have achieved and it's for various reasons. Uh, one is that the barrier to entry is lower than ever. Anybody can create content, uh, whether that's audio, video, uh, written content, anyway, anybody can distribute it. And at the same time, Google is a zero-sum game. There are only 10 results. I mean, you know, there's a bit of variance, or are, are features, sometimes there are eight, sometimes there are 12, but you know, it's, let's, let's just you know stick to the average, which, uh, which I would say is still 10 results. Um, that means there's only 10 winners for any given keyword. Um, and that limits the, um, the, the number of winners tremendously. And We also know that there is a power curve, meaning that the top results get by far the most clicks. So if you don't have the cost, best content, you can't win, and you cannot build the, uh, a solid relationship with a customer in, in an integrator or SaaS concept.
0: Yeah. So um, in many ways, that's also the problem because we only have like one real search engine left for most of these things. Um, as I said, pre-show you just wrote an article about Neva a new search engine that's coming up. It might actually be good. If we had a couple more search engines that dro- drove traffic to people so that we could have some different results yes. and because it's, it's sometimes shocking to me. And I, I'd love to hear your opinion that we're all such in such a Google world.
1: Yeah, it, it is truly shocking. And I think a, a moment that I realized that recently was when I tried out Neva and was like, ah, oh, yeah, the user interface looks a bit different. But I wasn't really able to pinpoint what exactly looked different or why it felt so foreign. And then I realized, oh, it's just simply because I've been Google, using Google for the last 10 years. Like, I don't know how many times a day, right? It could be it could be 100 times or 50 times a day. Anyway, I think I, I agree with you. I think there's not a lot of diversity in search out there and most players so far are basically trying to out google google which you will not be able to do right there is there's this concept out there of a business mode which basically describes advantages competitive advantages that businesses can build and google has a ton of strong modes that i would argue you cannot over you cannot outspend google really the amount of data that google has integrations and all that kind of stuff i, I don't see a company really coming close to that um, or a search company. And, and so Neva is an interesting counterbalance because it is not a product that tries to, to come around with greater features, even though it has some really cool new features, but it is a, it has a different monetization model, right? You, you, it is an ad-free search engine that you will eventually pay for, um, probably under $10, which you know, the founder said. Um, and I think it's very interesting. I, th- I think it fits into the zeitgeist. You see the New York Times switching uh, to subscriptions. You see many others, uh, Wall Street Journal and so on. Uh, I think Financial Times as well. There are good good examples of uh, great publishers that switch to subscriptions. Um, the SaaS model is more successful than ever. So I think we're reaching a time where people might be more prone to pay for services again instead of um, taking ads. Um, and so I think Neva is interesting because the experience is very smooth, right? You don't have ads. And at the same time, they don't face the same struggle that Google faces, which is that Google is basically a victim of its own success. So Google, I would consider probably the most successful startup in history. I don't know another company that has consistently trove the same growth year over year, 20% every time it is absolutely outstanding. And yet they're a victim of their own success because they they rely predominantly on one source of revenue. Over 80% of revenue still comes from search ads and Google failed to diversify those income streams. Now they're slowly kind of turning it around. Google Cloud has a bigger impact on on, on total revenue. Um, And YouTube also pushes subscriptions forward, right? So even Google tries in some corners to uh, go down the subscription route because they realized that ads is basically losing game, right? You only, you can make only more money through ads if you show more ads. And so the user experience suffers um, and at some point you're just trying to squeeze out drops, right, and it's it's really a race to the bottom in my mind. Um, So that's the challenge that Google faces and Niva doesn't have that challenge, right? They can rely on subscription revenue, to be fair, they're still in alpha mode, right? So the verdict is still out, but I love that concept. I think that they actually have a chance to become a, a, a legit alternative to Google.
0: Yeah, one of the things I was playing with in my mind was what if Apple bought Neva and uh, and just rolled it. I, I, I think an Apple doing a subscription type uh, search engine would be everything the web needs in many ways because you need a powerful player uh, to uh, to to play against Google. I mean, Microsoft has been trying this for years, and they're utterly failing um, by doing what you're saying. Indeed, by uh, by continuously trying to out Google Google, which is just stupid. Um, even all the changes to Bing Webmaster Tools, it makes make it look more like Google Search Console, and I'm just going, why? Um, so I. I see that, and I'm I'm just hoping for something like that to happen for some for someone to really up the ante. I think the only other company, when you say Google, um, is the most successful startup. But I think the only other other company that comes close is Amazon, um, who have in many ways also become the search engine for e-commerce, yes. and and they both have the same result in that they are both, in a way ultimately capitalistic in that they are driving to zero margins for all their vendors
1: yes um that is a it is a challenge right and i I agree with you i think amazon is probably one of the few companies that has reached a similar level uh you could group facebook into it as well um but um, yeah, you know it, it's, it's interesting from so many different perspectives. Like from one perspective, yes, it's the same concept where aggregators eventually squeeze suppliers because they own demand, right? That's, that's kind of the playbook. Um, and whether they will, will fully squeeze supply or not, I think that's, that's debatable, right? I don't, I don't subscribe to the whole Google is evil and Amazon just wants to kill everyone. Uh, but yet reality is that as a merchant on Amazon, you compete with a ton of other merchants, just one click away, uh, which in part is why Shopify was born, right? In part, right? It's it's kind of the the, the counterbalance to aggregators, right? Shopify is a platform trying to empower uh, single merchants, and yet at the same time, um, w- what is also very interesting is kind of the dynamics between Amazon and Google, right? Like Amazon is one still one of the biggest spenders on Google Ads, um, but also dominates e-commerce. Uh, which Google has always been trying to figure out and never really got it to work. And then now Amazon is also becoming one of the biggest ad uh, marketplaces or ad platforms. So the dynamics are shifting. and That is interesting and important for a couple of reasons, right? If you really think about it, the last, I would say, mm, probably maybe 10 years, 8 to 10 years, we've been suffering under legit consumer platform stagnation. There was not a lot of movement out there because all the big platforms killed all the upstarts or bought them, right? Facebook and Snapchat is a good example. Um, I think Google and YouTube uh, and then Facebook and Instagram uh, are great examples. And who knows how many other platforms would have had uh, if the big fan companies wouldn't have uh, bought them and integrated them or sunsetted them. And now through TikTok, which is a platform that had to come from Asia, right? Now that's uh, slowly starting to break up the ecosystem a little bit. And Twitter, all of a sudden, is shipping new features. Clubhouse is coming out of nowhere. LinkedIn is launching some features. So it's becoming more interesting as a whole. And it's important for us as SEOs because it it provides more environments to drive traffic from, um, but also just for startups in general. Because if, if the ways you can grow are too concentrated, um, you get you very quickly get into these winner takes it all or zero sum games, which are just very hard to win. And you kind of need to force or buy your way in in some time. So it's it's exciting times, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It's 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 very cool to see all these changes go. And honestly, while I don't really understand uh, TikTok, I do like Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> my my kids love TikTok, and that I mean, I have enough gray hairs now that I can say that it's it's Derek's thing and not mine. Um, but I look at it and I and I I I keep on thinking, like, how can we? how can it be that this is the thing that grows and all these other things don't, but that's probably in part, you're right because this is the one that didn't get, get bought.
1: Yes. Yes. Didn't get bought. Um, Also it's, I think um, it, it fits the, the zeitgeist, once again, pretty well. It's a short form video format, which Google, by the way, tries to emulate as well uh, with some of their web stories. And it's it's difficult to kickstart, right? Um, they try to force their way in. But it's short form stories. It's meme culture to the finest, right? Like, I remember when I was in uh, in college, um, gosh, there was few, like almost 15 years ago. Um, I would sit in the back of the class if there was a boring class and I would stare at cat memes and laugh my butt off and all my my peers were like dude what are you looking at cat pictures for they we're not on the they're not on this kind of meme meme bandwagon yet right but I I was fully hooked um, and I recognized that same kind of behavior on TikTok it's also remix culture which you haven't found that much before right now on TikTok people record themselves and their reactions just to other videos, or they take a video and remix it and make it something new. So uh, very interesting approach. And they're, they're really cool videos out there uh, of the original founders of Musical.ly and how they, uh, it's it's fascinating how they dissect the culture and understand teens and where they add and all the challenges, it's it's, it's amazing to watch. Um, so long story short, you know, to, to bring this back to an SEO context, um, I think that's another challenge, or, or maybe not challenge, but a, a trend that we see, which is the, the change from text to video and audio. And that's actually something that Google is very aware of. I wrote this long, long article about their um, keynote uh, on the I.O. conference in 2019, where they very deliberately and explicitly said that they see some of the bigger trends out there. And one of them is the change from text to images and videos in more um, uh, richer formats. And you see that in the search results as well, where you see more and more videos, you have this new moments and uh, video feature that Google displays. And I would argue, I don't have the data for it yet, but I would argue that even a lot of featured snippets might be replaced with video over time because it's, it's just a much more accessible format that's easier to consume in many cases. So I think TikTok kind of fits fits that trend and that build just perfectly. And now all the other platforms are trying to find their format in that.
0: It's funny because what Google is trying to do is to get people to highlight the moments in the video that people want to see. So so these these clips that they allow you to highlight in, in YouTube most easily, um, it's just a way for consumers to, to once again tell them exactly where the, where the good stuff is because they can't figure it out themselves. It is a really interesting thing to look at, but it's also, I think it's very powerful. Um, we've been looking at it. Uh, recently I had Phil Nottingham on the show, and we talked about video SEO for a while, and we're working with Phil on, on improving um, some of this stuff that we do at, uh, at Yoast ourselves. And actually the what drives me nuts is that Google puts out this this schema for, uh, for these clips and all these video platforms don't jump on it. They, they, they just look, yeah, maybe we'll implement that. And I'm, I'm just, well, why not? Why aren't you doing this? Here you get the chance to be on par with YouTube and the search results and you're not taking it. This is just, you're not just not helping yourself. You're, you're also not helping your customers.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And if, if you look at all the YouTube competitors, they all change their business models over time because it's the same thing as with Google. There's no out YouTubing YouTube. Uh, and I can say that I worked at Daily Motion. right? We looked at it in depth. We spent a lot of time and money into looking, hey, does YouTube get an unfair advantage or um, how can we potentially uh, beat them? And it's at some point due to the network effects uh, and the modes that they have built for themselves. It's its just uh, impossible at this point. But I agree with you. It's still a tremendous chance. And if you think about it, it's this it reminds me a lot on the situation that we had when um, Google started to show images in organic search, right? There was a time when that, that was not the case. Uh, it's long ago. A lot of people might not remember. But uh, there was a time when, when vertical searches were still, they still had walls between them, right? News, images, all that kind of stuff. And then Google started to show images. And I remember... Was working on the agency side at the time um we're thinking about hey like this is basically a way to crack the top three results if there's an image carousel or even a single image shown at the top and it's the same with video in a lot of cases it's a way that if you cannot organically compete you can compete on another platform on youtube and rank highly and get a ton of clicks it's a bit of a different environment because it's hard to convert people from that video uh so in, in that sense it's different uh, but it's, it's, it fosters tremendous opportunity and SEOs and companies need to rethink that, right? So whenever Google makes these bigger changes and these tectonic shifts, it shuffles the cards because it, it level, levels the playing field. And then it's a race to who can figure it out the fastest, not just from an algorithm perspective, but from a sheer execution perspective, you know, who can set up a production studio, who can record these videos. And there's a lot of potential out there. You know, we saw this, for example, at G2 where for a lot of, or more and more software keywords, Google would show videos. And some of these videos were five years old they're recorded with a, a, a phone camera, you know, just a guy in front of the whiteboard explaining some stuff, right? So you can easily beat that. But the execution part, that's, that's really difficult. And then figuring out how to get people from that video back to your site to convert. That is also really difficult, but I see I see that kind of as as a big part of the future when it comes to SEO. It's uh, richer formats and figuring out how to have how to run a coherent strategy where um, they go hand in hand with organic results and paid results at the same time.
0: And now let's bring Doug. Exactly what you're just saying to Shopify. How would a merchant on Shopify do that? Would, is, does that mean that they all have to make product videos?
1: <laughs> That's such a good question. I love how you bring that back. And to a degree, I would say yes. You know, um, I think w- one thing that I've clearly seen is that the merchants who can display their products in the best ways are more likely to win. Uh, so it's not just about high definition high quality product shots but also shots from different angles and maybe a video too you know there's some really cool uh, videos I think uh, I think Nike does that pretty well where they basically they don't just um, show a person wearing the piece but the, the person moves around a little bit and twists and turns and walks and it's it, it, if you think about it it's a bit weird I don't know how, how they shoot these videos but as a consumer I love it because I can see how the product really, Um, you know, uh, uh, changes when you wear it and how it looks and feels. So I think that will definitely give you an advantage. But from a merchant perspective, um, there's another challenge that merchants face, and that's the uh, zero-sum game nature of Google, right? Not everybody can rank at the top for men's sneakers or uh, women's dresses or that kind of stuff. So Merchants need to figure out what kind of niche or vertical they can really truly dominate, right? And then from there, I honestly, I would say, I think video is fantastic for e-commerce. Streaming is fantastic for e-commerce. You know, there's this um, this uh, store in, in Frankfurt, Germany. My, my, my family lives in Germany. It was born and raised there. Uh, and my mom goes to the store where they, they sell some designer pieces, a bit more expensive. And when the pandemic broke out, the store owner, she recorded Instagram stories every day, like maybe 10 in a row, just like showing new new products, wearing them, displaying and explaining and blah, blah, blah. And it was such, that was so well done. And that's exactly how I think merchants should think, right? Like... Provide an almost like interactive experience, show maybe even how the product is uh, being created, show what it looks like, how people use it, obviously, depending on your product. And and this is so much easier to do in video. So that's why I'm saying yes, because I think video is a fantastic format to display your product and eventually integrate on your product landing pages or homepage to then also get the SEO benefit. So Shopify
0: has seen pretty big growth in the last year or so i it, it looks from the outside in the numbers look ridiculous um a lot of those stores must not have like all that much potential uh, and at the same time there are probably stores between there that that'll become really big do you look at it like that from within shopify or or do you just view every merchant as equal or how do you how do you look at all those merchants
1: you know, it's interesting because we look at merchants as in that there are different types of merchants. And one principle that I found across all areas of business, whether it's SaaS companies, um, SEO keywords, or merchants, is that you have you find power curves. And power curves mean um, nonlinear distributions, meaning there's a small group that owns a big piece of the pie and then there's a large group that owns a small piece of the pie. You have the same with the short head, long tail, and SEO. SaaS companies consolidate, right? There's this explosion where you have thousands of SaaS companies, but most of them are small integrations, and a few of them are huge platforms. And the same happens in the merchant universe, where obviously you have some players like the Allbirds, Gymshark, uh, who, who are vastly successful, are global brands, and they get a lot of market share in the respective vertical. And yet at the same time, you have this, this long tail of smaller merchants who still um, have a great business. And I'm saying we look at different merchants because not every merchant aspires to become a global brand. A lot of merchants are just local businesses who want to sell online. And that is is easy to underestimate how big that's um layer of the cake is of small local merchants who want to sell to a a relatively narrow um i would say uh target group um and uh who now just bring their business online especially during the pandemic i mean that trend is huge we've seen the numbers and it's something that that basically jumps 10 years into the future right so it's not a it's not a bell curve type of distribution where it comes back down again right like this is This is a leap forward that then just continues to grow linearly as before.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I find very interesting looking here locally, I I get the question an awful lot, WooCommerce or Shopify for obvious reasons. Um, And um, people are just... They're building that shop and they're, they're asking me, like, what should I do for SEO? And I'm like, well, the first thing you should probably do is just be yourself and show that why should I buy from my local store? Well, because I know you. So I want to see you. Um, and that's one of the things that I think a lot of these things actually do wrong is that they try to they try to be, become Amazon instead of trying to be that local brand.
1: Yeah, absolutely spot on. 100%. They try to commoditize supply. Um, but that doesn't work, right? Because as you said, you, you step, I mean, before the pandemic, right? You step in front of the door, you know your local um, uh, baker and you know maybe your local um, uh, mom and pop and, shop and carpenter and whatnot, right? And, and these are people or businesses you build relationships to right? In some cases, your father or mother bought from those, those same businesses, right? You grew up as a child remembering those businesses. They, You went to the baker and he gave you like, a, I don't know, like a free small little croissant because it was, you know, it's, like, it's these kind of little memories and all these things that you want to bring online now, right? And that's interesting because we're at this inflection point right now where the world basically makes a big forward, uh, sorry, a big leap toward being digital and living online. And the first step in that leap and you see it with remote companies as well is to just trying to mirror what you did offline and that doesn't work as well right you need to create you need to represent yourself in a new way um, and that's exactly what you're talking about And it's a bit of a missed opportunity to to like highlight your history right to highlight yourself why you do this type of stuff uh, how you create the product think about a local merchant if they tell me or explain to me the material they use to stitch together the shoes and and all that kind of stuff. I find that very interesting and I find that very appealing. So there's a lot of potential um, that I don't think most merchants harvest yet. No, Yeah, th-
0: yeah. There, there is loads of potential. And w- what we've seen is uh, with all these shops coming online, of course, there's a huge growth in e-commerce as part of the web because... Uh, um you, you might have seen or not have seen my i do this uh twice a year i do this overview of the biggest cms's on the planet and you should just see shopify and woocommerce both have gigantic growth within that now admittedly those only look at like the top 10 million websites in the world so they only look at the most trafficked sites so not uh, a whole lot of Shopify shops will not show up in that ranking, so you've probably grown harder than what that uh, than uh, what that reflects. Um, but it is interesting to see that even in the in that top ten million sites, the number of e-commerce sites in there is just well grown exponentially, and there's so many more, uh, so much more of our time spent online is spent shopping now than it was before um so I'm, yeah i'm very curious where this will go after and uh, when we can g- all go outside again i you're in the states so you've probably been vaccinated already or are close to Um, uh, we're, we're we're a bit away from that unfortunately but
1: yeah it's a shame it's a shame but i think it will get there and you know um, it's interesting because it's it, it is our mission at shopify to make e-commerce better for everyone and um i think i would love to show people how much we live that internally uh, and show all the crazy, you know, uh, stories that we tell and, uh, and and data that we show to make it really explicit. And so, part of the reason for why we subscribe to that mission is because we think that e-commerce or trading um, and being a merchant is almost innate to being a human being. Right? It goes back thousands of years ago, where humans started to form tribes to trade. Uh, and and uh, form relationship and language to trade. I mean, so much of our development came from sheer trading, even the establishment of cities and all that kind of stuff, right? It's it's deep. And we think that, you know, in the digital world that this aspect of humanity is not represented accurately, uh, not to the degree that it should be. Basically, everybody should be able to to sell online and trade online and and become a merchant if they want to and choose to. So that's kind of the mission that, that Shopify subscribes to. And... Um, there's, there's vast potential out there, right? Like it's a huge market. If you think about it from that perspective, uh, we see that e-commerce is just, it's just like growing all together, not just because of the pandemic. Sure. That's, that's an accelerator, but that trend had started before we see all these new, interesting things like, uh, video e-commerce and streaming and, and all this kind of stuff come together. So it's a very exciting, um, time to be it, and I'm excited to see how, how we'll continue after the pandemic. My story is that a lot of people got a taste of what it's like to order your groceries online or, or buy pretty much everything online and get it delivered and shipped very, very quickly and efficiently. Um, and I, I think that most people will will keep it that way because they realize how they save time, uh, maybe even money, how they find greater selection of products. So it's going to be a really interesting time. And yeah, I'm in Chicago. I just got my first vaccine shot two weeks ago, getting the second one in another two weeks. So um, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but I'm also rooting for Europe uh, to, to catch up and turn it around. I hope that it happens soon
0: i yeah i hope so too it's a bit annoying that we suddenly uh, became became in class in a way um uh, it, it, it's not really where we want to be normally um it's funny what you're saying because it, it reminds me of one of my all-time favorite books about the web the clue train manifesto which is very old uh by now i think it's from 1990 or something uh but it um It talks very much about uh, marketplaces and how, uh, well, basically uh, we moved marketplaces online. But one of the things I find interesting in there is that uh, part of the discussion is always like, hey, you have B2B and B2C. But what the Clue Manifesto said was like, well, even in B2B, every relationship is still between humans. So, so um, you're always going to have to convince that human uh, to buy something or to do something. So, a lot, basically, a lot of those lessons always apply to well, pretty much everything. Um, how much of your time is spent at Shopify on content SEO versus on technical stuff? Is yeah. that
1: is there a, a big difference? It's a really good question. Um, I have a specific, I have a dedicated content SEO team and have a dedicated technical SEO team. And even to be fair, actually, we have a, a content um, SEO team for the English-speaking markets, another one for non-English, and then a technical SEO team. And it it, it varies from site to site. At Shopify, we have lots of sites. It's not, it's not just the Shopify.com. We have a lot of other ones as well. Um, And we have some sites that follow more of the uh, integrator model, and then a few that follow the aggregator model. We have Burst, for example, um, which aggregates, quote unquote, uh, images, right? It's a a stock photography platform like uh, um, uh, Pexels or Unsplash or so. Uh, And so the degree of technical SEO varies from site to site. Both are important, right? I do see it as technical SEO really building a strong foundation and infrastructure that content can then be put on top of. Um, now, as a as a SaaS like company, content is a huge driver of growth for us. Um, but we also have a couple of other drivers, right? Like we were building some very impactful tools that are very uh, important for us and that work really well. You know, I think honestly, tools and and widgets kind of fi- uh, celebrate a little bit of a comeback in SEO. Uh, I remember when I when I started out, there was kind of a way to drive backlinks. Um, and then it was this long period where nobody really invested in tools and now i have the feeling it kind of comes back where you see some really good applications on the web uh with with major value that drive links but also traffic um so we have a multitude of ways to grow and, and technical seo is is kind of ingrained and embedded in each and all of these right there's a big mandate that technical seo has and then then content is kind of what we put on top there Um, and it's, there's, I mean, there's a lot going on in terms of content from various uh, blocks that we have, um, and other more, um, I would say static formats that we employ and follow. So, um, it, I think we have a high fidelity when it comes to, to content in our keyword strategy. Um, and, um, we we employ it where we look at it just the way that. Um, I uh, d- described initially, you know, we think about like what has impact, what is very close to a potential merchant com- uh, conversion. But then on the other hand, also, what are all the big problems that merchants are dealing with? And those are vast. And Those also depend on the platforms and channels that they distribute their products through. It can be Instagram, Google ads, uh, all these kind of marketing channels, but can also be the basics about like, hey, how do you grow a business? How do you manage a business? You know, um, how do you plan a business if you haven't started it? So we try to, to reflect all these aspects in our content. And we, we source these ideas and keywords and, um, uh, from various um, sources. Like uh, we have web have surveys uh, for merchants. Uh, we have other ways to understand what merchants are dealing with. Then we have our quantified data to just see what merchants consume most of the time. So, um, yeah, that's how we look at content and technical SEO.
0: Okay. And um, when you talk about content SEO, is that content SEO for Shopify.com, the site itself, and and the other platforms you have? Or is that content SEO for your merchants as well?
1: It is predominantly for Shopify.com and the other sites that we have. A little piece of our time goes into merchant SEO as well, which is much more technical in nature. Um, And that's where we want to empower merchants, not kind of force them to do a certain thing, but give them give them options if possible, right? Uh, and we have a couple of cool things coming out this year, which I'm really excited about. But at the end of the day, it's really helping merchants navigate this zero-sum game that we talked about before, um, kind of letting them uh, letting them kind of build their, their shop the way that they want to. But then over time, we're we'll also thinking about how can we... How can we give them valuable information to make their choices even better? You know, at the end of the day, we want to get merchants to their first sale as quickly as possible, but then from there also help them to build a sustainable business. And actually, just necessarily a side gig, unless that's what you choose to do, and then that's fine as well.
0: Would you describe that as one of your magic moments, or however you call it within Shopify, is getting your first sale? Is that a, an important metric for you?
1: Without a doubt, without a doubt, absolutely. And you see it in the app too, right? When you sell a product, you get this little ring and a little, uh, 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 little kind of interaction there, uh, and that's that's kind of, I, I mean, it's addictive to some merchants, which is which is amazing, right? You sh- you should make money and you should sell. I mean, that's that's the core of the business. So yes, for us, it's definitely something that we look at. Uh, and then we try to understand better. So how can we get, you know, it's, it's almost like writing, you know, the first sentence should get people to read the second sentence. And then it, we look at it the same way, you know, how do you get from a first sale to your second sale to your 100, first 100 sales and all this kind of stuff. And obviously the more sustainable people's or merchants sales are, uh, the better they retain with Shopify. And so we call, that, that's the beauty about the, the platform model. It's like the more successful merchants are, the more successful are we, and we don't have to uh, worry about competition or anything like that.
0: I I think that's the the biggest distinguishing factor between a platform model where the success of your customers is your success and the Google model where your customers are basically the one you're squeezing. So even when you're not, and I agree with what you said before about that. Like, I don't subscribe to Google as evil either. I don't think they're, uh, well, I don't even think they're coherent enough to be to be able to be evil. <laughs> uh, but it it, it is, um, it is very much that they have to squeeze their customer uh, f- some some margins out of their customer to be successful. And for you, it's is very much the success of your users is your success. I, I think that. Is a really big driving difference in well it, it, over in the long term. I hope that form of business will win a bit more, um, but yeah, we'll see where that goes. It's definitely one of the reasons why I'm rooting for Shopify uh, and 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 WooCommerce uh, to to beat Amazon in many many of these things.
1: Of course, and thanks, yours. Uh, and yeah, there, there are lots of good you know solutions out there. Um, and uh, it's it's I think it's an interesting time because we see more traction to platform businesses in general. Same with Stripe, they just uh, announced uh, another major major funding round, and they're valued at a lot of money right now, and rightfully so, right? They're really pro, they're really um, building this kind of um, uh, payment uh, plumbing infrastructure for the internet, and these these companies are important, right? Not to not to toot our own horn too much, but it's important to have different layers of society, right? And you see it. You see the same thing in offline. You have a mall. Uh, I mean, especially here in the US, malls are a kind of the only option sometimes. But uh, in Europe, you know, you have you have some malls, and then you have some mom and pop shops, and you have some single stores, you have some single brands, smaller brands, and that ecosystem is important. You know, whenever that ecosystem gets completely out of balance, that's when problems come up. And so I'm a, it's 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 a it's a fantastic time. And part, the the reason for why I joined Shopify, you know, I was very happy at G two. Uh, But I saw all of this happening uh, and I thought it was the the chance of a lifetime, which is why I joined and I don't regret it at all.
0: (laughs) No, I can understand. You get to work with another friend of mine and and yourself as well, I guess, with Luke Levesque um, and and another uh, couple of brilliant people. So yeah, I I fully understand that. Kevin, I want to thank you. We've we've reached our time. I think I can talk to you for ages about all of this. Um, and we probably should, but not today. <laughs>
1: so. I would love to. <laughs>
0: so thank you. Um, and hey, everyone, if you're listening, uh, this is the Yoast SEO podcast. So you should subscribe in whatever, well, your favorite podcast thingy is. Um, and then see you next time. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks so much.